You know, it's probably the greatest confession that a human being can make. <laughs> I mean, when you, when you come to him for salvation, that's what you're telling him. I need you. I need him. Every hour. I need him. We're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 this morning. Psalm 68. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Psalm First Corinthians chapter four. Paul is addressing this Corinthian church. If you know anything about, they were something else. And he's really laying down some pretty hard ground. That's what apostolic leadership does. It lays, that's, that's what leadership does. It lays down some pretty hard ground. So much so that in 1 Corinthians 4 chapter, or 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 14, Paul says this to them. He says, I do not write these things to shame you. But as my beloved children, I warn you. It was necessary. Paul's already said something that on this Father's Day that I, I, I want to lay some groundwork for. You know me at all. You know I'm not much on a liturgical calendar. I'm not, I'm not much on Sunday holidays. I believe that the gospel is about Jesus and not about us. But there's a lot to be said about fatherhood that this Father's Day that I'm going to address. Because there's some things you need to understand. Because we live in a world, I'm not telling you anything new. We live in a world that, that manhood and fatherhood is largely dismissed, shamed, ridiculed, made fun of, deemed unnecessary. I'll tell you, as always, I'll, I'll deal with the good, the bad, and the ugly as we go through this message today. That's the balance of the gospel. Hear me. All over the country and all over the world, people are, are just hearing about the love of God. And, and the, the, God certainly loves us. He, so, he loved us so much that he gave his son. He loved us that while we were yet sinners that he died for us. I preached maybe a year ago that the love of God has never been the question. The love of God's not the question. The question is our love for him. Jesus said radical things like, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. 
He even went further than that. He says, if you don't keep my commandments, you don't love me. This word tells us not only how to be reconciled to God and that we have a Savior and that God loves us, but it tells us who he is and, and, and his character and his attributes and what he wants from his children. Who we're supposed to be, how to live. Living by the word of God, listen to me, is not legalism. Living by the word of God is not legalism. It is God's plan for your life. Told you one time I seen a meme with a man with a fence around the cliff and the man was running about to jump over it and out of his mouth he's saying, he said, uh, you can't fence me in with your legalism. And the man is over on the side saying, it's not a fence, it's a guardrail. As he's going over with a drop off on the other side. God's word and God's plan for our lives, it's, it's, it's not to hem you up, it's to set you free. Amen. <laughs> well, we can talk about hard things and will this morning. A lot of things are no longer addressed because of the condition of the nation, the condition of the crowd that's sitting looking at them. Because people say, well, if you talk about this, if you talk about that, well, you're, you, you're picking on people. No, it's not about, see, that's the thing about this mercy and grace that we've already talked about. Listen to me. You, you're a messed up mess, and God knew that. <laughs> Accept it. His, his, his point, what he done all this for, is to straighten your mess out. And when you're in a mess, God addresses your mess. Do you know that God addresses our mess? Why do I preach it all? Because he put it in. Because we live in a world that all of us are upset with, that's been unaddressed. I don't have to go through every statistic in the world for you to know the things, some of the things we can say this morning. We can go through a few of them. I find something, because do we all agree that manhood and fatherhood has just become a thing that's ridiculed and scorned and basically unneeded? And can anybody argue any different? That's the mantra of the day. Yeah? Without even finishing the text for just a moment, Paul says, I want to talk about you, talk to my children. Before we even get started, I want you to understand there's natural fathers in this house and it applies to everything. And on this father, that all this applies, but there is a, a bookload of understanding to know that we need spiritual fathers. That that's not some wild, charismatic concept. Some goopy thing that you, that you cause, that you talk about on Father's Day so people that don't have children can feel good about being at church. Paul said, I address you as my children. And there's no indication that Paul ever had any children. Yet when he talks about Timothy and Titus, he talks about my sons. Whether you have any of your own or never have any of your own, you can be a father. 
Paul goes on to talk about it. Listen, in today, in the society that we live in, in America today, there has never been a time that fathers were needed any worse than right now. Than right now. This is where the church at Corinth was as well. They were a, they were a messed up bunch. Paul said things to them like, man, I've seen, this is the church. Paul said, I've seen sin among you. So it's so, it's so shocking. He said, he said I've seen sin among you that I, that's not even named among the Gentiles. Talking to the church. You head on. He says, I don't have to say these things to your shame. But as, a beloved, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might listen to this, though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. Listen, that instructors in Christ, voices in your life. Though you have thousands of voices in your life. Listen, right now, you've never, there's never been voices into anybody's life like today. Grandma and grandpa, mom and dad, you didn't have the voices in your life like these kids have. Oh, you had some. And, and generation after generation has dealt with this. But you've got voices by the thousands walking in via TikTok. And believe me, they're listening to them. Some of you find out that you've raised 10 kids, but that 20-year-old on TikTok knows more about raising babies than you do. Oh, you ain't even hearing me. That's kind of fresh on my mind right now. I don't have that problem, but I've seen it a lot. Mom don't know nothing. She raised 10 of you. But that one on TikTok that has one three months old, she knows everything. Do what she does. I don't know if you're even hearing me yet. I'm talking about voices, instructors. But we have hardly any fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. You know what Paul is saying to the Corinthian church? I planted you. I brought the gospel to you. You were born again because I brought the gospel to you. You're saved today because of the message that I, not because of me, but because of the gospel I brought to you. He said, I have begotten you through the gospel. What's he saying? I have fathered you through the gospel. They didn't have fathers. They had voices, instructors, few fathers. Mag Church, I challenge you men across this place, but men and women alike, it's not just about fathers, it's about spiritual parenthood. It's more than about me and about you and you, us four and no more. It's about young people that walk in this place, older people that come into this place, that spiritually they have no father, never have. They have some idea about a God somewhere that mostly he's just an angry old man that likes to strike people down, and that's not who he is at all. Need fathers. How bad do we need fathers? 
What's the statistic today? Somewhere around the number of 75% of people incarcerated today come from a fatherless home. Would you let me take just a second to tell you what the mass shooters have in common besides a weapon and anger? Let me tell you what they have in common. No father. Oh, all the time we thought sexual immorality was, uh, was, was offense to keep people from just having fun and feeling good. We thought that marriage was just something that we could casually come into and casually leave, that there was no side effects to, what, to, to not living within God's Word, that who are you to tell me who I can have sex with and who I can shack up with and, and who... And, I'm not anybody. The Word of God is everything. We take the love of God, but we don't take His standards for living. And then we look at the consequences, and then half of the crowd is mad at God. Oh, I'm, I'm in the deep ground right now already. I'm going to say some things right up front so you can take a deep breath, so you can gasp, so you can get mad, whatever you're going to do, and then we're going to talk about it. In Malachi, God makes a declaration that you need to hear. It says God hates divorce. Go ahead and suck the oxygen out of the room. Then let's talk. It does not say God hates divorced people. Let me help the religious folks a little bit. I grew up in a world that divorce was, was more acceptable, that, that first degree murder was more acceptable than divorce in the church. I've literally watched crime shows where preachers have killed wives because they didn't believe in divorce. Now, you want to talk about legalism. Were murders preferable Crowd this size, no doubt, a large percentage have, have either been divorced or been affected by divorce. Ain't nobody going to talk about this anymore. But the result is a society of the fatherless. Oh, it's going to get better, I promise. To deal with anything, first of all, you've got to, do with, you've got to deal with what's true. Nobody kind to be raped, to be little, to condemn, to be condemning. What I did come to tell, I'll tell you right up front, that he is the one who separates our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. He's the one that when I sin, he cleanses me from all unrighteousness. And I tell the general counsel, that includes divorce. I tell the Southern Baptist, that includes divorce. I'll tell the Pentecostal Church of God and the United Pentecostal and anybody else that have, that have shunned people because there was divorce in their life that when I sin, I have an advocate with the Father. That when I, when I come to Him, that, I have, that I'm going to attain mercy and I'm going to attain grace in my time of need. I'm going to, when, he comes to me, when I come to Him, He's going to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. But I'm going to tell you, that there's never been a divorce ever happened that didn't happen because of sin. Period. 
But sin has been redeemed. This is, all, this is just groundwork. It's important. How did we get here? Because the word of God was no longer important to the people or to the country. When we laughed at every sitcom, listen to me. We, you know that comedy is the first thing that the world uses to make something corrupt acceptable. What we can, what we can laugh at we can accept. Why does God hate divorce? It's not because he hates people. It's not because he rejects the divorced. It's not because, it's not because of any of those things. I wanna, I'm just going to ask a real frank question right here because I want to explain something. How many in this room, either personally or a parent, or your children, whatever, has been directly affected by the devastating results of a divorce. Now I want you to hold your hand up. Hold it up. Hold it up. Now look around. Now I'm going to ask you a question while your hand's up. Was it devastating? Was it devastating? That's why. That's why God hates divorce. Because it's destructive. And it's devastating. And its effects are lifelong without the mercy and grace of God to everyone that it touches. Our politics and our religion have brought us to the place in America where the government is largely our daddy. And we don't even have to look to God. Paul said we have all these instructors. But we have few fathers. Dads. We've been the butt of every joke. For 40 years. I think back when. Al Bundy was just an idiot and the world thought it was hilarious. Where Tim the Tool Man Taylor was the number, number one, Home Improvement was the number one show on television. And he couldn't do anything right. You're not hearing me yet. I'm talking about what's happening by design. Whether the LGBT community wants you to say it or acknowledge it or not, like every person in this building and every all eight billion people walking around came about as a result of a father. And I'm going to say, I, there's some things that need to be said amongst church, against moms, amongst dads, amongst grandparents. Uh, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to say some things that you, you, think, you think it's funny and you think you deserve it and you think that you're entitled. Uh, I'm, I'll even talk to grand. I've always been amazed that when you have a daughter and grandkids and something goes wrong and they split up, how all of a sudden the, the world's dumbest man is the father of the world's smartest grandkids. 
explain that to me? Why am I talking about I'm talking about poisoning little minds. I'm talking about the man, the son-in-law, the brother-in-law, the grandparent, the whoever that you, somebody once loved them. Most of them, at some point, you thought that they were the greatest people alive and you wanted to marry them. Either that or you burned with unbridled lust and you, and you couldn't control yourself. And then you want to act like it's somebody else's fault. And in the meantime, we have a fatherless generation that's burning down cities in the street. Oh, lest you think it's a minority and a poor problem, the rioters in the Northeast over the last summer was mostly well-to-do little trust fund kids. That their mother and father wasn't divorced, but their father was absent. I'm talking about the things the church hasn't said in decades. Let me tell you something right here. God is the restorer of all things. He is the restorer of all things. The last words of the, of the old covenant in Malachi for 400 years of silence was there said there was one coming called Elijah. The spirit of, and John the Baptist saw the spirit of Elijah. And it says, what did he say? They said the spirit of Elijah would come and that he would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And he would turn the hearts of the children back to the fathers. Oh. Here's a hard subject. It's all a hard subject. The Bible says to honor your father and your mother. That your days would be long on the earth. Jesus said it was the first commandment with promise. It doesn't say honor a good father and a good mother. It says, honor your father and your mother. You say, you don't know my situation, preacher. You come from a good home, and I did. I come from a good home, a godly home, with a godly father, and I'm thankful for it. If you can't honor anything else, if you never knew the man existed, or maybe, he's, maybe he is the bottom of the barrel, you're not. You're not. And you're here because of him. Oh, that was weak. You're here because of him. Honoring your father and your mother doesn't mean they've done everything right or anything right. It mean Bible says to give honor where honor is due. And some, with some people, the only honor due is they gave me life. And to celebrate that. All over this house, young and old, 
Nate and Mark and Jason, when you take your week's vacation or your seven-day stretch where you're off and you go spend it pouring into the lives of young people, that's what a spiritual father does. You can make a difference in somebody's life. Royal Ranger leader, even if you have none of your own, you're pouring into young men's life, giving them the things of God. Paul said that we have 10,000 instructors, we don't have many fathers. And if Mag can't do anything else to influence this whole area, they can be a spiritual father to, the, to a fatherless generation. It doesn't have to end this way. It's unappreciated, always has been, always been. I heard something yesterday, I want you to hear me. said a good father is, is, is never appreciated until they're older. Because you don't realize the profound impact of good that they have on your life until you're old enough to see what they've done for you and paid for you to get where you're at. There's no way you can realize it until you're old enough to appreciate it. Oh, can I talk about some contradictions real quick and then we're going to get into something good? I'm trying to help the church because the problem is the same in the church as it is the out. It's the same in the church as it is the out. Wives, there's a great conundrum that's put into this world where if he works hard and provides all the things that you're spending money on, then he's absent and he's never there. But if he's always there and turns down the overtime and the everything else, or, or, or doesn't, if he's always there, then, you, then you're not provided for. And that's called a lose-lose. Are y'all hearing me? Oh, I know it's sober. Are you hearing me? You're called in a world that discounts everything about the need of male role models and fathers and providers. Feminism has destroyed the nation, I will go ahead and say it, and it's infected the church. I'm going to remind you of something that the Word of God says. That the, says that a man that will not provide for his family, this is the New Testament, is worse than an infidel. That's what it says. It's worse than a heathen, an unbeliever, an infidel. We've got to come back to a place where we understand what the word says and what it says about family and understand that the whole attack going on in this world the whole movement right now of the LGBTQ community all the way back to the beginning has been an assault on creation and God's plan for mankind I got news for you he needs to hush 
Can't you keep him quiet? <laughs> I'll, t- I'll talk to him when I get him home. Yeah, he's amening. I needed in a difficult message a hard thing. Can I ask you before I even move any further? Would that, can I ask you a question? I'm, this is just for me. This is not spiritual. This is just for me. Would this nation be better off today if the, every church in the country was telling the truth about fatherhood and what's needed or everybody feeling good about the love of God leaving today? Which, which would we be better off? It's not, I, I come, I'm telling you things that just have to be said, but I, now I'm coming by to tell you it's not hopeless. I'm coming by to tell you, yes, some of you have been done wrong, my men. I'm coming by to tell you that some of you have been abandoned by fathers. I'm, telling, I'm coming to tell you that the honor that you can give them is that you have life. I come by to tell you that there is one. In Psalm 68, it says that he, that he came, that he could be a father to the fatherless and a husband to the widow. I come by to tell you that one of the things about, it says, I beget you as, as a spiritual son. I come by to, listen to me, Romans chapter 8, one of the greatest passages in all the Word of God, tells you that, that I have received, see, there's, there's many father, fatherless. He says that I have received, when I come to Christ, I have received a spirit of adoption, whereby I cry, Abba, Father. It says, and then I become an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you that the idea of spiritual paternity is a biblical thing and that when you have a generation of the fatherless, fatherless, there's nothing that the church needs to do anymore than to step up into a role of teaching young men what it is to be a good husband. There's nothing that the world needs more than for the church to stand up, for the men of God to stand up. Up and teach young men what it means to be a good husband, to be a good daddy. That, that it means you don't chase everything that turns you on. That it means you don't go to bed with everything that walks by you. That it means that, that when you commit to something, that you commit for life. It means, it means that no matter what the circumstances, you don't walk away from those children. You don't walk away from those children. Well, mama's done this, and I don't care what mama done. They're yours. Boy, the the support, you wouldn't believe. You couldn't, the support that that you're paying for them to be over there is nothing compared to what they would be if they were in your home. Stop it. They're yours. But the church needs to step up and know, listen, the hurt is real. The problems are real. But they're not going to ever be corrected until we acknowledge that they happened, why they happened, and what the solution is. If you want to talk about Father's Day, the day to talk about on Father's Day is what it means to be a father and what it means that we have to change the situation, that we have to step up. There's there's people that are never coming back for whatever reason, but, but we can rescue them by, by standing up and filling in. It says you don't have many, you have many instructors, but you have few fathers. The last thing people need is another voice in their life that's not going to listen to you. If you're not going to be there, they're not going to listen to you.
you're not going to be there. You're just a voice. We need fathers. Mm-mm-mm. I need to lay the shovel down a minute. But I'm, I'm watching the religious landscape today. I watch that a lot. I'm interested. We have fellowships, denominations at war over who can preach. Women, I'm, I'm coming to your side right quick. I've always been on your side because father, father, you ain't got a father too. Oh, y'all looking at me like crazy. I, Jeff, I just need to get this one off my chest. Got fellowships that says you can't preach, but they put the burden of spirituality and raising their kids and keeping them in church. While, while they were nowhere, mama brought them to church. While they were nowhere, mama fed them the word of God. While they were nowhere, while mama was preaching to your kids between Sundays. I got a problem. I got a problem when women can be missionaries. They can preach overseas, but they can't preach here. Oh, I'm just not, this is just free. I got I got a bigger problem when when you can preach baptism in the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in other tongues in other countries, but not here. Somebody come on. All the, I'm talking about fatherlessness. I'm talking about legalism and religiosity versus what the Word of God says. I'm talking about who mag can be. I'm talking about all the brokenness that no doubt is sitting in front of me generationally. That he'll be a father to the fatherless. That he'll be a husband to the widow. That if, you'll, that if you'll walk in his word, walk in his way, it'll change situations. I'm talking about that men in this church and young, young men and men and generations coming up demonstrate in front of them what it means to be a man of God. Oh, you ain't hearing me. Why would I say that about denominations fighting over women preaching? Because I wanted to come to Mag and say, men of Mag, look at me. Men of Mag, look at me. Men of Mag, look at me. And thankful, look around, by the way. There's men at Mag. Don't you dare advocate the spiritual role in your family to your wife, then act like you the man. Mm. When men step up, and walk in the word of God. Understand, ladies, this is, this is about all of us. 
This is not, this is not discounting mamas. In fact, it's about mamas because mamas get abandoned. This is about the word of God. This is about the church. This is about the society. This is about revival. This is about what has to happen for anything to change. This is what has to happen. Teresa, you're in a school every day. What has to change? You're in a school every day. What has to change? The math don't lie. This is not this. This is a, just a truth message, not a rebuke message. This is a wake up your eye, open up your eyes, and this is literally a call, a sober call to Mag Church to understand that if we step up, that we can change our area. That we can stop the generational mess. And that's what it is. Because nobody will say anything. Brandon, you can come back. Church, listen to me. Listen to me. Things are perpetuated over and over and over and over and over because nobody says anything. Or people say a lot, they complain and complain and complain but never offer a solution. The solution is for the hearts of the fathers to return to the children and the hearts of the children to return to the fathers. The solution is, is to look to God in your relationships and don't get into messes that God never intended you to be in. The solution is, is amongst the fractures that have already happened, that can't, there's nothing that can be done about it, is to show people the love of God. Listen to me all over this place, lest you tune in late. I want you to hear something. Broken families will be the heartbeat of Mag, not our scorn. You will never be rejected because of a broken family, because of a divorce, because of an abandonment. You will never be, you, you, will, you will be given positions of leadership based on your spirituality, your prayer life, your knowledge of the word, and what you can give to people, not your, not your marital status as far as, as well, I've, kind of, I've been in a broken relationship. None of that stuff. You will be loved and prayed for and, and 
given godly counsel. This is the culmination. This is, this is the vow. This is, this is, this is the, where we're at as a church from the head down that we won't reject you. I come from a small town where everybody knew everybody. Sometimes you could walk in the room and somebody would be rejected just because of what their last name was. I don't know if that, I don't know if Mauriceville in this area is small enough for that, but where I come from, you could never be given a chance. It wasn't your skin color. It wasn't any of those things. It was what your last name was. Mag's not going to do that to you. Y'all aren't hearing me. Board, girls club leaders, Royal Ranger leaders, Sunday school teacher, Mag kids leaders. It's a mandate from the top that we will never do that. We will cry with you. Pray with you. Help you pick up the pieces. We will be there for you. Do you realize what I'm saying? Mac Church, do you realize what I'm saying? What I'm committing us to? What I'm committing me to? It all starts with admitting that we got a problem and what it is and the things that God, I've told you before, you should love the things God loves that's people. God loves people more than anything. You should love the things God loves and you should hate the things God hates. Stand up and make the hard calls. Stand for what's right. Stand for what's true. Love the broken. Women, ladies, There's young guys and young girls in this room right now that need a heart of a mother that they've never had, that they need you. Men, the same. This is more. This is more than Sunday morning religion. And I'm going to tell you something. It's more than numbers and growing a church. It's more than numbers and growing a church. The church has to stand up and be who God's called us to be. And you need to understand when you become a child of God that everything that was is no more. He'll give you a fresh start, a a fresh place to stand up. Stand with me all over this house. I'm trying to find an exit ramp, but I want you to understand something. I'm trying to drive it home. Men, women, listen to me. If you come from a situation where where a parent was absent or worse, you know exactly what somebody's missing because you missed it. You know better than anyone else what they need. You can be that for somebody. This is the gospel. 
James says that re- pure religion, undefiled, is to the widows and the orphan. And when you have a fa- when you have a fatherless generation, you have a generation of orphans that need a father. And you can be that in their life. Joseph, separated from his family young, had a father that loves him, but his brothers done him wrong. He was separated from his father young. Nothing went wrong. Went to prison. Nothing went right. Sold him. Went to prison. Done him wrong every way there was. But when his children were born, listen to me. I'm talking about you can be. When his children were born, there was the Lord has made me forget. First of all, he'll cause you, he'll heal your wounds. And then his second son was about following the plan of God for his life. We can do that. Would you lift hands all over this place? Father, Lord, we love you. God, thank you for helping me through one of the hardest hours of my life. Lord, pour your love out. Open our eyes to see where we're at. Lord, open the hearts of the people, the men and the women of MAG, to show us who we need to be to a generation that needs us desperately, that needs you. Break our hearts so we can pour out. God, we need you. God, we need you. God, we need you. across that's all I know to ask who across this place would just say God help me if you need healing say God I just tell him God I need your healing touch brokenness in my spirit but God I need you and by your grace with your help I'll make a difference Mag can we do I'm not talking about rhetorical psychobabble. I'm talking about we can make a difference. Can you, can you just ask him, God help us? Sometimes the most powerful thing you can say is, God, I just need your help. And that's, my, that's the pastor's prayer for this church today. It's just that, God help us.
by the grace of God, help us. In Jesus' name. Can you leave here knowing that a Sunday like today can change scores of lives? Can you know that? Scores of lives. The change starts with us. All the complaining and the rhetoric won't do anything. But prayer, loving people, being there, and being who we're called to be will change the world.